Today's sponsor is Headspace. You slept every night of your life, so you should be pretty good at it by now, right? Unfortunately, many of us don't get the quality sleep that we need and could use a little bit of help, and that's where Headspace has got you covered. It's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. And while they have meditations devoted to helping you reduce stress and increase your overall sense of well-being, they have an entire library of sleep stories, sleep music, and other sleep sounds that can help you get the quality sleep you desperately need. And for busy lifestyles, they have what's called wind downs. It's meditations and breathing exercises that are as short as three minutes so they can fit into anybody's schedule. I personally use Headspace myself. I've tried out some of the sleep stuff. It actually works. Like to me, it actually makes a difference. So Headspace, it's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews. That's a lot. And over 60 million downloads. Try it today for free and start sleeping soundly. So right now, our listeners get 30% off Headspace's entire library of meditations. Just go to headspace.com slash sleep pod for 30% off your subscription, but only until May 12th. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash sleep pod today. This is a Smart Passive Income Podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 180. How much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host. He used to write letters to baseball players when he was little. He's so cute. Pat Flynn. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me today. This is episode 180 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast, and today we have two guests on the show with us, so we kind of go back and forth between each of their stories, but I have them together both on this episode because they are both in the same space, in the same niche, in the woodworking space, actually. They both do this full-time, but didn't think they were gonna do it full-time when they first started out, and they are both in the same mastermind group as well, and they each share a lot of great examples of how They've been able to help each other out and also how they monetize their woodworking sites. So this is really interesting for those of you who have hobby sites or maybe you're just kind of in your nine to five and you're struggling with trying to figure out what you could do to get out of it. This is gonna show a lot of other ways to utilize sponsors that we haven't really talked about in the show as well, plus a lot more tips and advice for you too. So here we go. This is Dave Picuto from drunkenwoodworker.com and also Bob Claggett from I Like to Make Stuff. Dot com. Here we go. What's up, everybody? Pat Flynn here, and I'm so excited today because we, we don't just have one guest on the show. We have two amazing guests. We have David and Bob who are doing some amazing things. Actually, I got connected with David through a, a post that I wrote earlier where I was talking about people who had recently quit their jobs for their uh, passion and starting their, their full-time business online. And David, you can find that drunkenwoodworker.com. And then he told me after I wrote that, he's like, you gotta, you gotta check out Bob. He's doing even more amazing things than I am. And so I had this idea to get both of them on the show. And Bob's site you can find at iliketomakestuff.com. So we have drunkenwoodworker.com and iliketomakestuff.com. This was like awesomedomains.com, uh, <laughs> the awesome domains episode. So guys, gentlemen, <laughs> welcome to the show. David and Bob, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, thank you. So, David, let me start with you. You weren't always doing woodworking for your full-time business. What were you doing beforehand, and how did you get into this full-time? Sure. I worked at an ad agency for about 10 years. I was a web developer. I went to school for graphic design and then kind of funneled my way into uh, web design. And then you know, I worked at this ad agency for 10 years, and I kind of stumbled across woodworking by accident. And was a side project and then it just really took off and I used all my 
ad agency gifts of, mm-hmm. of no, knowing about branding and stuff to kind of help my my channel grow and and after a while it I was like the the, the hobby was more important than than the main career and, and I kind of pivoted and, and switched gears that's awesome and how long have you been doing drunken woodworker for I've been doing it full time for a year but I've been I was doing it for a year before that as, as a hobby. The Drunken Woodworker kind of started off as a as a joke because it's a <laughs> it's a silly name, right? And um, and I started a Facebook page and called it the Drunken Woodworker, and people started liking it because of the name. I mean, I take safety very serious, so mm-hmm. don't don't think that I'm drinking and, and woodworking <laughs> at the same time. I was going to say, <laughs> and uh, I started the Facebook page, and I think people started liking it just because of the name and the strong branding that I had. And uh, then I started making YouTube videos, and, and then it kind of took off from there. That's awesome, uh, and we'll get more into that story for sure. Uh, but Bob, how did you how did you get started? I don't know too much about your story. Where were you before you were doing woodworking, or was this something you you always did? And how did you get to the success levels you've had today? Uh, well, i've I've always been I've always been someone who made things from like a very early age. I was big into Legos, as I know your family yes. is a <laughs> Lego family. Um, you know, I've always just made stuff of different types and. When I was in college, I had to make some furniture just so I could have some furniture. And that started kind of a progression of like, I need a tool to do this. And so I picked up that tool and, you know, just kept building and building and building. And then fast forward several years, I have my own family. I have four young kids. And I found that when I didn't have the time to put in making stuff, it was, you know, taking a toll on like my attitude. And, and mm. I'm a, I was a software engineer for about 15 years. And so being online all the time started to wear on me and I needed some offline time. And so I started making these projects just to, to, you know, have a reason to get away from the computer. And, um, then that was taking away time from my family, which is extremely important to me. So I had to kind of come up with a reason to validate for myself to validate that time in the shop. And part of that was turning those projects into education and being able to share them and so that generated a blog and I spent, you know, a little while making projects, putting them on the blog and found that I really got tired of the writing part of it. Mm-hmm. I like to write, but just something about translating a project into a written description just didn't really work for me. And so I started making videos as a, well, I'll try this, you know, I had some video background and audio background and stuff. So I gave that a shot and it just kind of took both for me and for the people who we're watching what I was doing. So it's just kind of spiraled from there. (laughs) That's really cool. It's funny. I, both of you said, and I have this in my notes here, both of you said it just, it just took off. (laughs) And I think that's, that's so magical. But on the other end for people listening, you know, they hear that and they're like, well, what, what made it take off? You know? So David, what, what would you say was it that made it take off and what, what defined take off to me? Like, what does that mean to you? Like you just gotten millions of views or like what describe that for me? Sure. For me, taking off meant it was very unexpected. It started off as a hobby, and then I started making videos, and people started watching them. And I think what really made it take off for me was I started a weekly YouTube show called the Weekly Woodworking Wrap-Up Review, which is a mouthful, I know. And But basically, I would take like the five or six best YouTube videos of the week of mm. different woodworkers, and compile them into a show and I would play off the name where I would have a, I would have a drink uh, a beer while presenting these five videos 
And because I was highlighting other people, I think I just started to gain this huge audience very fast. And I, I then realized, okay, I have all these eyeballs on me. I need to start making more woodworking tutorials myself. So that's how it took off for me. That's really cool. I like that. So highlighting other people on your YouTube channel, I think that's very interesting. I think this is something a lot of us do on our blogs and even our podcasts, just like how I'm highlighting you guys right now, but maybe video less much, but there's also a lot of higher value there. So you started to get a lot of traction from featuring other people and probably, and correct me if I'm wrong, those other people noticed that you were talking about them and perhaps shared some of your stuff with their audience too. No, that's, that's absolutely correct. Yeah. Awesome. And, and Bob, when you say things took off for you after you started doing these videos, well, was it kind of the same thing or how did that, that work for you? Uh, well, actually, David had a huge part in mine taking off. Mm. Um, so he had his show and I was watching his show. And at the end of his shows, he would say like, hey, if you have some projects, send me you know, your videos so I can feature them on the show or I can see what you're doing. And my videos are not strictly woodworking. There are some electronics, there's model making, there's t-shirt printing, there's all sorts of stuff. And so I sent them to him and said, you know, kind of with a note that said, I don't know if this really fits into what you're talking about, but here's what I do. And so within a couple of weeks, he put some of my videos on his show and, and has continued to do so. And I think that was like the breaking point for people actually being able to find me. And so I started getting a lot of, relatively a lot of subscribers from what I had, like directly from his show. That's really um, cool. Yeah, it's awesome. So I, I owe a whole lot of where I am right now to David. That's really cool. And David, you, you and Bob both are kind of in a, in a great relationship now. You guys help each other out. More than that, you're in a mastermind group together and, and you host a podcast together. Am I correct? That is correct. We host a podcast called Making It, and it has a third person named Jimmy Daresta. And it's all about it's an it's an audio podcast, and it's all about kind of like the the mental part of making things. It's not a woodworking podcast. It's not. It's just it's just kind of help you get over some creative hurdles and some production techniques and and productivity items and things like that. It's the the mental game of of making. So it's called making it. Correct. That's awesome. I love that name. And I think the idea behind that is 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 a fantastic idea. I mean, a lot of people in different spaces, I mean, those of you listening right now, you might be in a niche where you might feel like you always have to be on camera or you always have to be writing stuff and, you know, photography, for example, or, or web design. And, you know, you might think that there's not anything you could talk about on a podcast, but the mindset stuff is so important and the stories and everything that's involved around your craft that is something that could be very visual or hands-on. It could definitely be going very well. Uh, and, and be received very well, too. And plus, there's probably less competition out there, too. So, uh, David, going back to to your business, and you had talked a little bit about your transition between the ad agency you had uh, to going full-time. What what was that like for you? Were, was there anybody else in your life that you kind of had to discuss this with? And, with, and what, what was kind of racing through your head when you were making that transition? <laughs> sure. Um, at, at the time, like... I, our ad agency was going through like a very fast growth period. So it was, I was the web developer there and for many years there was just like 10 to 15 of us. And then all of a sudden it started growing really fast. And I, it almost felt like my importance there, what didn't mean or didn't weigh as much. And so I, I started liking the job a little bit less, even though it was an awesome, awesome job. And I was my hobby of woodworking and making woodworking videos started to take off. And so 
I could, I could, I could see my interest in one go down and the other go up. And I was just discussing it with my, uh, she was my girlfriend at the time, now my wife. And she's like, what if you just quit and you did this full time? Do you think you could do it? And I was like, I don't know. And so we got a pad and paper out and we started writing down all of our expenses. And then I started writing down all of the ways I was making income. And I was like, I think we can do this. And so I put in a 30-day notice. You know, most people give two weeks. I, I really love my boss, my <laughs> so friend. 30 days. So I gave him 30 days. And, uh, and the transition was actually very natural because I had so much work to do for my brand that I, I didn't even have time to worry about whether or not I was going to make it or not because I just had so much work to do. So the, the, the day that I quit my actual job, I was completely busy, just working nonstop. <laughs> it wasn't like you quit and you're like, oh, now what am I going to do? You had all this <laughs> other stuff planned. Nothing like that. That's funny. And, and Bob, how about you in, in terms of your, you said you had started coming right out of college, right? And so uh, what 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 has it been like to just really, truly make a successful career out of out of this thing you're very passionate about? Um, it's been unbelievable, honestly. It It daily blows my mind that I get to do this. I mean, like today... I went to the hardware store as part of my job. You know, I built some shelves as part of my job, and that just blows my mind. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was in software for you know 15 years, doing software engineering, and and I tried to do this stuff, all the videos and everything on the side. I have a big family, you know, a lot of responsibility, right. a lot of necessary income, and so I was just doing both of them as hard as I could. And it got to a point where, you know, I saw like David's lead and a few other people where they were jumping ship from their day jobs to kind of chase this thing that they were passionate about. And um, I knew that was really f- kind of far off for me. But I decided at one point that I had to do as much of both as I could possibly do. So I did as much of my day job as I could possibly do to create income and savings and all that. And then I just did as much of, I like to make stuff as I could fit in otherwise. And so <clears throat> eventually it got to a point where I just couldn't do any more of either one. Mm-hmm. And I had to make a, a choice of, you know, doing one or the other. And, and kind of like David said, you know, we, my wife and I spent a lot of time figuring out like, here's what's coming in. Here are the potential things that could come in. Here's the potential growth. And, and she's amazing and supportive and was just like, you know, we'll be okay. Just, just do it. I mean, like worst case, you get another software job. And as soon as she and somebody else said that, I was like, oh, yeah, actually, somebody said to me one time, you're a software engineer, right? I said, yeah. And they were like, well, so you could walk out in the street holding your resume and get a job, right? I was like, well, kind of. (laughs) He was like, then quit, you know, go do what you love. And it, it kind of floored me. And so once I made that decision, then it was just like maybe nine months of full sprint to, uh, get everything in place, you know, so that I could make the transition. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That's an amazing story. Uh, and, and it's true. I mean, a lot of us think of when we're making that kind of transition or we're making these hard decisions, we, we, we think of the extreme, you know, on one end, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm going to be uh, living on the streets when, if this doesn't work out. But no, I mean, you could always just go back and get another job. And, you know, it's, it's weird how our minds work like that. There's a great book out there by Chip and Dan Heath called uh, Decisive, where they talk about how it's just human nature to kind of have to do, just think of that extreme. And, and we, we, we oftentimes don't do what we want to do because we don't realize, well, there's a lot of things in between that can happen that aren't going to let you go to that extreme. So that's, thank you for sharing that. 
Now let, let's get into some of the juicy stuff. I know some of the audience is listening that they want to know. I mean, so woodworking, like how is this possible to really build a career around? And I think that there's a lot of, especially hobby bloggers and hobby podcasters out there that could really benefit from what you guys have to offer. So David, let's start with you in terms of your income generation and, and your business model. Like where is, is the income coming from? You are doing this full time. What is, what is working for you right now? Sure. There's about five different things that contribute to my income. Uh, one is the YouTube AdSense, and which is not very much. And then there are there's AdSense on my website. And then there is I sell plans and woodworking patterns on my website. And on top of that, uh, I do sponsorships for my videos. And then I also sell ad spots on my website on my website. So all these things contribute to my income. And when you when you do something like this, you you need multiple sources of income in case AdSense completely changes and that drops out. So I can always rely and fall back on the on these other things. Yeah, that's awesome. So out of those five things, which one do you feel is giving you the the biggest boost right now? The biggest boost by far for me is sponsorships because that is uh, a, a big chunk of money right up front to do a sponsored video. Okay, and then when you first started doing sponsorships, did they approach you or did you approach them? And everybody kind of takes a different approach, but I always let them approach me because that kind of gives me the upper hand mm -hmm. in the negotiations. Mm -hmm. And um, I started out and I had an ad card and I had all these rates, and then I just kind of threw that out the door recently. And I, I, I talked to each potential sponsor individually after they contact me and said, well, this is this, I, I kind of look at what kind of sponsor they are. Are they in the woodworking world or are they not? And how can I incorporate that into my videos? And then I throw out a rate for them, you know, that's uh, tailored just for them. Okay. So let's just hypothetically, David, just pretend I'm some, uh, you know, I'm a company out there and I have these amazing new workbenches that you could, is that even a thing? Workbenches? Yeah, right? Sure, okay. sure. <laughs> I just want to make sure I'm speaking your language a little bit. Uh, yep. But I, I have this company, we have these amazing, super durable, lifetime lasting workbenches. And I see your show and I'm like, yes, I have to get in front of David's audience. And I approach you and I say, hey, David, I'd love to sponsor your show. What would your response be? My response would be, well, first of all, many woodworkers want to make their own workbench. It's kind of like the rite of passage. But for you, I send me a workbench and I will say, this is why you would want to buy a workbench instead of making a workbench. Mm. And then and then we would start like, do you want me to show how you assemble the workbench? Because that's that's one type of sponsorship. Or do you just want me to show the, the workbench in one of my videos? Because that's another type of sponsorship. And each one kind of has a different value to my my viewers. That's very cool. So we negotiate a little bit and we figure out kind of what that ad placement looks like. And then, you know, you got to talk numbers, right? Like, how do you figure out, how do you figure out, uh, and, and I'm curious because I have a video channel as well and I do sure. sponsors on the, on the podcast as everybody knows, but on videos, I'm curious at, like what the rates would be and, and, and those sorts of things. If you're, if you're happy to share those, if not. Oh, fine. sure. Sure. And it's, it's, it's really different. It depends on the type of sponsorship and your audience, but for that type of thing, I might say, you know, I have an I have a YouTube audience of seventy five thousand. So I might say, okay, for four thousand dollars, I will say today's video is sponsored by Pat's Workbenches, 
and then and, <laughs> and then use the workbench in the video. You know, and a lot of times the company will come back and say, "Well, we were thinking like three thousand or thirty five hundred," and I'm like. Okay, you know, and, and we can we can work in there. We can work how much time the workbench is actually in the video. Mm, wow. Um, you know, sometimes the sponsorship is just so many thousand right up front. And all you have to do is say today's video is sponsored by so and so. And that's it. You don't use their product, you don't you don't say anything else. And sometimes it's at the end of the video, like and you know, I've I've heard of in and there's a lot of podcasts that do that at the right. very end, they have, you know, the little sponsorship thing. So that's why I don't have an ad rate card anymore is because every situation is a little bit different. And how did you learn? All, was this kind of just through experience or seeing other people doing the same thing? And, and you know, I like the idea of kind of getting rid of the rate card. I've actually done the same thing uh, for, for that very reason. Every company is different and you can kind of get a feel for that company when you're talking to them and that sort of thing. But how did you kind of learn all this? I mean, there's no real <laughs> book out there. There's no like no. class you could take. How did you figure it out? And that's a big problem. There is no place online where you can go to look to see how much you should ask for a sponsorship. So it was it's a learning process. And and in fact, I have a long-term deal with a company that is really really low. And uh. it was my first sponsorship and you know, I would, I would take only a, so many hundreds of dollars per per video and it was like for m- 40 some videos and now it's I, I've learned it's just you you have to you have to kind of just taste the waters and see what they say and I've learned a lot from Bob actually his his growth has been way faster than mine so as far as like YouTube subscribers he has way more than me so I in our mastermind group we we pass around numbers of what we're getting with these videos and I also talk to other woodworkers and we all kind of share what we're getting for sponsorships in these videos. And that helps elevate all of us. That's cool. Because if somebody takes a video or somebody takes a sponsorship for only a hundred dollars, that kind of lowers the bar for every other woodworker. Right. And so we kind of tell them, you know, don't do that. Although it may sound tempting. It, it just, just don't do that. Your, your videos live forever and they're And eventually they're going to get thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of views and just realize that, that that ad that you place in your video is going to live forever. That's awesome. So cool. Bob, let's go to you. And I, I do want to go back to this mastermind thing and how you guys work together. I think that's amazing um, insight in, into the power behind a mastermind uh, in terms of sharing those numbers. I mean, I, I never even really thought of it in that way. But Bob, let's talk about if you are comfortable, kind of your monetization models. What's working for you? Is it similar to David? Is it is it different? Um, David had mentioned you have way more YouTube viewers and subscribers. So I'm curious to know, like, how is it that you are, uh, you know, what, what's working for you right now? I'm kind of the same. I mean, I'm kind of the same in that the sponsorships are the largest income source. Uh-huh. Um, I'm, you know, because David and I talk so much, I'm also of the mind that you should spread, you know, lots of eggs in lots of baskets. And so I, you know, most of my income comes from YouTube and all the Google ads stuff, um, affiliate marketing for mostly Amazon affiliates, hmm. sponsorships. Um, I'm on Patreon, which is, which is a, a, an income source, but there's, it's actually a bigger source of, it's more important than the income that it brings. And we can talk about that later if you want, but also, uh, just merchandise. Uh, I do a fair amount of merchandise sales, which I do it all from here, from my house. So mm-hmm. it's all, you know, shipped and packaged and all that stuff here, which 
gives me a little bit more work, but it also brings in a lot more profit. So, but of all those things, sponsorships is by far, by far the uh, larger income. And I think that works for me mostly because my audience is growing at such a rapid rate and is a relatively large, I mean, I don't know, relatively large, but part of the thing about the rate card, what David was talking about is that YouTube subscribers generally will continue to grow. Even if you don't put out new content, that number will kind of creep. It will just go up and up and up. And so if you have a rate card with some static rates on it and it goes out, it's, it's not changing. Whereas your reach is changing on an hourly basis. And so anybody that gets a hold of that rate card is kind of, they have a particular idea of your value based on what you put out there at that time. But that value changes all the time. So Mm, I had a rate card that actually David helped me put together and I sent it out one time. And as soon as I sent it, like I sent the email and was like, oh, I should not have done that. Mm. (laughs) Like this is not a long term. This is not a good way to do it long term. And so I threw it away and I haven't done that since. And I'm kind of the same way in that I, when I talk to a sponsor, I will give them a, a base price and say, look, this base price is for if you want to do what I think of as like a typical, uh, you know, like an audible spot, you know, like a 20, 30 second, here's my blurb, here's my talking points, um, you know, here's the ad. And it has n- probably nothing to do with the actual content of the video. That's a certain price. And then if the sponsor wants to do a more like, like you were talking about, like with your product, you mm-hmm. know, if you wanted me to do something about that product, then I double that price because that takes me away from the content that I want to produce and puts uh. me into a production. I'm in a, I'm a production person for you basically. And so I, I really value that. And, and that typically doesn't work out for me, which is fine because I want to be doing what I want to be doing, mm-hmm. not making videos about other people's products that that's I workbench. Yeah, that I'm not really invested in. Sorry, you know? it's not a good bench. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's a great bench, but <clears throat> but you know it's not my bench, right? So I would I would rather put the time into you know me making something because I, I feel like when I put out a, a project video, typically not always, but typically the the project itself has a bit of my personality in it. Mm-hmm. There's like something about it that says like when people watch it, they go, oh, yeah, that's a that's one of Bob's because you can tell because he has this Star Wars reference or he has a whatever little thing, you know. And so if I'm doing videos about Pat's workbench, which doesn't have any of me in it, it has to be really, really valuable from a from a monetary standpoint for me. Mm. So that's kind of the way I go about the sponsorship stuff. And of course, you know, I, when I tell them those numbers, I always say, this is a starting point. These are my numbers to start the conversation. Nothing is hard and fast. You know, like if I want to work with you and you want to work with me, let's figure out how to make it work because I am much more interested and I always tell them this, I'm much more interested in long-term relationships than one-off video sponsorships. Mm -hmm. Um, Most brands are not necessarily in that same mindset, but I would much rather like adjust a price down if I can build a relationship with somebody that I believe in you know, and work with them long term. Right. So. That that's huge. I think. I and mean, thank you, Bob, for sharing all that. I mean, I, I think the relationship building, not just with your audience, but with those who you associate yourself with, potentially sponsors and other companies, it, that's absolutely huge. And you know, if you wanted to build a real relationship with that company, 
like you would with a real person. You wouldn't just throw a piece of paper at that person and say, hey, this is these are my characteristics and you might like me if you're like this. You know, I'm a dog person. You're you're a cat person. So we're not going to No, it doesn't work like that. Right. It's like you talk to them, you figure each other out, you feel each other out and you, you help each other out. And if you have that vibe and you want to work with each other, you'll you'll find a way to make it work. And so I, I appreciate you saying that. Going back to your merchandise, I'm interested. How do you collect payments for that? Like what tools are you using for that? How long does it take you to package something and, and ship it? Like what is that process like? I'm, I, you know, the, it, it's so cool kind of, but for both of you, the hybrid businesses that you guys have and not only all the income sources, but, you know, online and offline, what does that merchandise side of your business look and feel like? Um, well, I do, I kind of keep a small inventory in-house. So I'll order these shirts. They'll come in. I have like an organization system here in my office where I keep them, you know. And up until uh, actually like a couple weeks ago, I was doing it all myself. Now my wife is coming on and mm. being the person that handles all the merchandise stuff, which is awesome. I mean, it's great to have her in, more involved and and for me not to have to do that stuff. So basically I have a, my site is a WordPress site. I have WooCommerce installed, which is a free online store, which is fantastic. I mean, I've been blown away with how flexible it is. I do all the uh, card payment through PayPal and mostly through Stripe. And that's all integrated into the store. And so the orders come down. I use um, an online postage generator to generate the postage based on weight I ordered a bunch of vinyl bags from Amazon, and so I package the shirts in the bag, print out the online postage on a, on a sticker, stick it on, and put it in the mailbox, and that's it. And I typically will package and ship like twice a week. I don't do it every day as soon as they come in, um, so I try to get everything out within a, a couple days of the order. And it's I've gotten like a I'm I'm really big on systems and organization mm-hmm. and stuff like that just to make things faster and easier for me to actually do the stuff I want to do, and so pretty early on I set up a kind of system for all that shipping stuff here in my office so that it it has a place it has a a process and I can just do it really quickly to get it out of my hair. Right, right. And so the merchandise you're selling is is like t-shirts and and things like that. Yeah, mostly it's been t-shirts and stickers. And uh, for a while I was doing these handmade notebooks. I did a video last year or something about how to make these little pocket notebooks, kind of like a field notes mm-hmm. notebook. And so I showed people how to make those. And then I said, like, I'm also going to be making a bunch of these and I'll have them in my store. And I was selling them in packs of three and I was blown away with how many people wanted those things. Wow. But that was a that was not an order the goods, get it in house. That was like me sitting in front of the TV after the kids went to bed and making a hundred notebooks at a time. Mm. And so there was a huge, you know, kind of time cost to that, that, that wasn't, it was good, but it, it wasn't like long term. It wasn't something that had longevity. So, uh, recently I've kind of phased those out and I would like to be doing some more different types of things like that. Um, but I'm trying to find options that don't, they don't create production time for me. Right. You know, so maybe some like something that could be automated because um, David and I both have CNC machines, which is a, you know, a computer controlled milling machine. And so you can put a piece of wood down and it can cut things out for you. I also have 3D printers. And so those automation tools would allow me to create something one time digitally and then have a machine produce them for me. And so that would cut down you know, the, the actual physical production time. So I'm looking at some stuff like that, ways to have more merchandise, but not have it impact my time as much. 
Very cool. And just to reiterate, that tool you mentioned was WooCommerce.com? Yeah, WooCommerce. Or WooCommerce. Uh, yeah, those are the, by the guys over at WooThemes, and I've used a few of their themes before. I haven't used our commerce solution, but I've heard great things about it as well. And you said it integrates with PayPal and Stripe, so you can collect PayPal or credit card, which is great, and you're getting a lot of your kind of shipment stuff from from Amazon too. So that's really cool. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that, Bob. Sure. Um, to finish up, I want to talk about this mastermind that you guys have. So you guys were kind of doing your own separate thing. David, can you talk about how you guys connected and then how did you guys form a mastermind group together? Or did one of you like already have one and the other one joined in? Tell us that story. Sure. I, I, I think it works a little different than the ones that you're in. Uh, you, you put up a good example a few weeks ago, but the way ours is just four of us right now. Okay. And we're all somewhat in the same field, but we all have our own kind of niche within that field. And it was just kind of like, hey, do you guys want to get together? And we only do ours every other week and just kind of discuss what's working for us and what's not. And, you know, like I actually don't remember who who started it, but everybody that's in our mastermind, I think, listens to the show. So we kind of understand how how it works. And Mm -hmm. so um, what we do is we just kind of go around every other week and say, this is what's worked for me. This is what I changed. This is the, the consequences of that change. This is what's not working for me. These are the potential sponsorships that I'm working on. And we kind of talk about the, the process of, of these different sponsorships or the process of, of the change and how it affects our websites or our YouTubes or our businesses. And we all kind of just learn from, from that. And I get so many good like AdSense tips from the other guys or so many good tips on how to talk to potential sponsors because that's kind of intimidating at first. You oh, know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, basically, that's, that's how it came about. That's very cool. And so, Bob, what, what is your experience been in the mastermind group? Like, what kinds of things are you really enjoying about being in a group like this? It's really interesting because we all have, like he said, we're all in the same kind of general realm, but we all have pretty different focuses on what we do and why we do it and how we do it. And so it's really interesting to see how the intention of what like David's trying to do and what the other guys are trying to do uh, kind of dictates where they put their time and like where they put the most focus. Uh, you know, there's, there's a big variation on like, I don't know how to say it in a general term, but like people, some of us are really focused on passive income. Some of us are really focused on production. Some are really focused on video quality or, you know, and it changes, each of us changes maybe from week to week. But so it's just really cool to see people that are in the same enough space that it's relatable, but we're all focused on different things. And I've gotten a whole lot out of just watching other people uh, try things and see if they work or not. And another thing that's really um, interesting for me and has been kind of eye-opening is, you know, he said we were talking about our sponsorships and we do say, you know, I got contacted by so-and-so and so-and-so and and this is what they offered me. And the the thing that's really interesting about that is that David and I will often be contacted by the same sponsors but get different numbers. Oh, interesting. And and so that gives us kind of a comparison and to say like, um, no, they told me this and you should not go, go below this number, right? They have this amount of money. And they're just trying to maybe lowball me because my numbers are are smaller, or 
whatever the case is. But it's really cool to have someone who's in the same area um, open enough about you know what's coming in, the offers that they're getting, that we can be really frank with each other and and use it to our advantage. You know, not not in like a sleazy way, like insider information, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, just a, a kind of a relative comparison of what somebody else is doing in the same space. Yeah, I mean that's that's good to know, but. I'm just curious when 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 you hear that, for example, somebody's trying to lowball you or a sponsor is trying to lowball you. Do you and you know that somebody else in your group has had a higher um, deal with them? Do you go, oh well, so and so is getting this? You don't do do you say straight up like that? You know that person's getting more, or is it kind of like you then use that information to kind of renegotiate? I would expect that we renegotiate. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't think any of us would use that as like a. So and so told me because that's just bad business. Yes, yeah. yeah. Bob Bob has a higher subscription YouTube subscription uh, than I do, and so Bob usually gets a higher number than me. And so when Bob tells me that so and so is offering him this amount, and mm-hmm. they're only offering me this amount, I won't I I won't go back and say no. You're giving Bob this. I will go back and say this is what I'm valued at, and. It, if we can't make that work, then yeah, we'll, we'll go on our way. But right, so there's like a scale there because of the sizes of the audience and stuff. Um, final yeah. question for you guys is: is you know, I can imagine, especially with a, a great group of guys uh, or people that you're in with in your mastermind group, especially with with sharing what's working and what's not. Like, how do you balance, you know, supporting the other people versus them? being seen as potentially competitors or even that those thoughts of like, Oh man, I wish I could do that, but I can't because <laughs> you know, do, do those feelings come in, 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 in this kind of situation or do you have some sort of just, you know, you guys are all cool with each other. And so the, those things don't happen. So David, we'll start with you. I think there is no feel of competition between us because there's, there's a handful and Bob's more than a woodworker, but I'm just going to lump him into that group. There's a handful of woodworkers that do this for a living, but each one of us does something so different that we found our niches. That's cool. And, and so my niche might be craft projects that you can take and sell on Etsy or at craft fairs. And somebody else's niche might be furniture. Or somebody else's niche might be just lumber that you can find at your local Home Depot. And so because I think we're all of us are successful because we found a niche. And so we don't even look at each other as competition. We just look at each other as this guy can help me. We're in the same general field, but we appeal to somewhat different audiences and we can we can help each other out. That's cool. Bob, any any final thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, as far as the audiences, you know, it, it's easy to look at like two YouTubers who have the same size audience who are in like woodworking and to, to just assume that their audiences are the same people. And that's, I would almost guarantee that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a huge overlap in audiences, but they're not necessarily the same people. And so I think, you know, learning from each other and being able to share this stuff is going to help you know, me grow my audience based on what David's doing right and vice versa. And so I think it, it, I think the people who would see other creators as competition are the people who are going to have a really hard time with growth Mm. because they just have a maybe self-centric view of, of what communities are about Mm -hmm. and what sharing is about. So, um, I I don't know, like, um, one of the guys in our group. So when I do ads in my videos now, spots, I, I added a little 
timer bar along the bottom of the screen, this little orange bar, and it starts full width of the window, and as I'm talking, it gets smaller, so that when someone watches my video, they can see, like, oh, this ad's going really quickly, it's almost over, I can oh, wow. hang on through that. Smart. And it was just a little thing I came up with based on my experience with, like, user experience stuff in uh, web development. And so one of the guys in our group last week asked me, hey, I was thinking about doing something similar to that, but it was your idea, and I don't want to steal that from you. You know, so it, I just wanted to check with you. And I was like, oh, man, that, that feels awesome that somebody cares enough about, you know, like an idea to to not just take it and run with it. And, of course, I told him, that's go for it. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, I mean, we should all be doing stuff like that. But so I don't think people see each other in our space as competition. I think maybe um, they just learn you know, from from all sorts of different people in the space and just try to to bring it into what they're doing. And it when they actually bring it into their own content, it always is fleshed out differently than it was when they learned it, you know, from the person they learned it from. So Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate that. Hey, thank you both so much for your time here today. Uh, David and Bob, just we appreciate you. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we're going to have a, not a lot. You're going to have a lot more new fans as a result of this. So this is going to be really cool. <laughs> David, uh, where can people find out more information about you? What's your website and maybe a Twitter handle or something? My website is drunkenwoodworker.com and my Twitter handle is drunkenwood. And if people are listening to this in the far distant future, that might be changed, correct? But the redirect will probably continue to work in terms of yes. your rebranding and all that stuff. Yep, yep. there'll always be a redirect. So. Okay, awesome. And Bob, uh, website and where, where else can people find you? Um, I like to make stuff.com and my Twitter handle is I like to make stuff, but they would only allow me to put one F. So <laughs> <laughs> it's I like to make stuff. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. Cool, guys. Hey, thank you guys so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, people are going to enjoy this very much. And uh, if there's anything I can do to support you, let me know. Well, thank Thanks, you, Pat. Pat. Appreciate it. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Bob again from I like to make stuff.com and David from drunkenwoodworker.com. Amazing stories, incredible information. And I hope you get a lot out of this. Actually, I would love for you to visit the blog to leave some comments on what you thought about this episode as well. Come 2016, you're going to see a lot more episodes like this where you're gonna hear more success stories from SPI listeners, SPI readers. And so, of course, if you have a success story to share, I would love to hear it from you. Send an email to pat at smartpassiveincome.com and leave your success story there. And we're gonna be putting a lot of you into episodes in the next year. And also, you can check out the show notes and leave a comment at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 180. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash session 180. I hope you've been enjoying the free podcast content here. I'm really excited because it's one of my favorite things to do, and I know a lot of you have already taken action from the content that you've listened to on the podcast. And if that's you, congratulations. Just keep going, please. It's one of my favorite things to see. But I also know a lot of you, and a lot of you have been telling me that you've been wanting more. You've been wanting additional information, some accountability, some hand-holding along the way. And so depending on what it is that you're looking for, what I would recommend is actually go to smartpassiveincome.com slash courses. You'll see the courses that I'm offering there that are paid courses, but they're there to help walk you through certain processes. Depending on what problem you have or what issue or what thing you're trying to solve, go there, check it out. You can see if there's a course available for you and where you're at in your business right now, whether you're just getting started and you just want to make sure you have all the right things in place before you actually devote a lot of time and effort into something. There's a course for you there. For those of you looking to get started with a podcast, there's stuff for you there. And there's going to be more courses there in the future. And how do I come up with those ideas for the courses? 
they come directly from you. So thank you for all telling me how I can help you better. And if you have ideas for more courses that I can create for you, just hit me up on Twitter at Pat Flynn. Let me know or uh, use my contact page on smartpassiveincome.com. But again, check out and see what's available, smartpassiveincome.com slash courses. That will be continually added to over time. So check it out. Thanks so much. I'd also like to thank SumoMe which is a tool that I've been sharing quite heavily on the SPI blog, if you've come to the blog recently. And the reason I've been sharing it so heavily is because it is awesome. It's a free suite of marketing tools you can use to grow your email list, get more traffic, and much more. Over 150,000 sites use SumoMe, including SPI, Tim Ferriss uses it, The Chive, and many, many more. It works on all sites. It doesn't matter if you have an HTML site or a WordPress site, or if it was written by a chimp. Uh, it literally only takes 37 seconds to get set up and running. I swear you will be so happy when you install this. It includes popular apps within SumoMe, such as the List Builder to increase your daily email signups by 20%, Share, which adds a sharing button to all of your images and posts, for example, to drive viral traffic to your site, and also a really cool tool called Welcome Mat to create your highest converting page on your website. To check it out, again, it's free to sign up and install head on over to smartpassiveincome.com slash sumo, like the sumo wrestler. And actually, here's Noah Kagan to talk a little bit more about what sumo me can do for you. Guys, guess who I'm here with? Noah Kagan, episode 71 guest. And Noah, how do you feel knowing that that episode was one of the highest downloaded episodes of the SPA podcast ever? Probably like the best thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like... That, my first son, I haven't had that one yet, but if I did, it would be like, they'd probably be tied. Yeah, yeah. Is it weird if I name my kid Pat? Uh, you should name it SPI. <laughs> hey, Speed Kagan, Speed, <laughs> over here. Speed. Yeah, that's... Dude, uh, anyway, you guys have been working so hard.